Join Greenbook at the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange Conference Series. IIEX is your global hub for connections, inspiration, and innovative solutions in market research. Visit greenbook.org events to learn more about events in Asia, the Americas, and Europe. Use the code PODCAST for 20% off general admission on all upcoming events. Hello, everybody. It's Lenny Murphy with another edition of the Green Book Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join me and my guest, because we know you probably have better things to do, but uh, hopefully this will be worthwhile. So today I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Ari Popper, founder and CEO of Sci Futures. Ari, welcome. Hey, Lenny. Hello, everyone. It's amazing to be back with you again after, I think, it's almost 13 years. It has been a long time since we have shared any type of stage, virtual or, or in person, although back in the day, certainly had you roped into IAX and, and other things on a regular basis, but you've been too cool to spend time with us until <laughs> recently. So thank you uh, for, for dining to actually <laughs> give us some of your time. <laughs> now I'm thinking, have I, have I become less cool or has everything else become cooler and kind of, kind of I, I don't know, maybe a know, bit of both. <laughs> I don't know. If you think about kind of sci futures, like we, we're living in a lot of the, the future that you predicted. So, uh, which is probably the segue, obviously, uh, Ari and I do know each other. We go way back uh, and have looked forward to, uh, to this conversation quite a bit for our listeners. Why don't you explain your background and what Sci Futures does, and that'll give a little context for why I think this is going to be a fun and cool conversation. Oh, sure, Lenny. So I am the CEO and founder of Sci Futures, and we're a foresight and innovation firm. We work with the world's largest companies, and what we do is we help them create their preferred futures. And the way we do that is we use the power of story. We work with science fiction writers around the world, and grounded in all the science facts and the emerging technologies and all these amazing changes that are happening around us every day, we use that as raw material to create these preferred future visions of the future. And then we work backwards from those preferred future visions to help them create it. So kind of like a full-service innovation accelerator. That's really what we do. And to make the research connection, you want to talk a little bit about your pre-Sci Futures uh, world so folks understand where the roots are yeah um i used to be the president of brain juicer which rebranded to system one i actually was one of the first employees that set up the north american business and worked there for six years with with john karen the man the myth the legend <laughs> and all the great folks uh, there yeah that, that's where i was before and then before that i worked at Cantar for melbourne brown i was a vice president there so you can take the man out of research, but you can't take research out of the man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back back in the research world a bit as well. Uh, all right. So now that is an interesting through line. And I remember maybe see if you remember this. We were sitting in a bar in Las Vegas and you were talking about this idea at that point. Uh, do you remember? We were at a in, at a conference and you were talking about this idea of, you know, using your, you, you love science fiction, you loved writing and this narrative, you know, how to turn that into kind of an ideation process to build innovation. And I just thought, well, that just sounds like the coolest thing in the world and a lot of hard work. So good luck, Ari. 
and <laughs> then you you did it. So kind of talk us through what was that inspiration because you spent your career in, in research and thinking there was a real need and an opportunity to shift into this different mode. A lot of that inspiration came from just how storytelling and science fiction made me feel because I was, I was a big sci-fi fan. I, I used to read a lot of sci-fi as a kid. I used to watch sci-fi, um, still do. And I always got excited about the visions and the technologies and the geeky stuff and even the societal stuff that science fiction portrays. And then I realized that uh, you look at the foresight agencies and the foresight work that large organizations do, and it's all very dry and very kind of, you know, left brain system two, if you want. And it's no wonder big things don't happen. It's no wonder that, that huge innovations don't happen in these large organizations. You know, they're intellectually satisfied by all the reports and the scenario plans, but that content doesn't result in meaningful action. And then working at system one, we know that in order for people to change their behaviors, they need to feel, they need to have an emotional connection with advertising and marketing. So for some reason, my brain, my crazy brain, kind of connected the dots and said, well, let's create almost like the system one content for the foresight and innovation world. And it works when you develop content that makes people feel excited about the future and also gives them a reason to believe it. They'll want to build it and it'll result in much more transformative innovation. And that's the greatest joy that I've got from my career is over the last 13 years is seeing our content transform these large companies to do really meaningful stuff. And I wish I could do more of it. <laughs> I just, you know, it's just such a powerful way to, to create transformation and positive transformation. And we need it more now than we've ever needed it because of how powerful these emerging technologies are. So yeah, you know, it, it I think, you know, 90% of startups fail. I think it might be even more. So I, I think when I started So Futures, I was bright eyed and optimistic, but I was also like, this is probably a one year endeavor and I'm, you know, I'm back back doing other things. But yeah, it's amazing how you know, we're almost over a decade. We're still still doing this work. I think one of the differences, and you correct me if I'm wrong, was it's not just you were guiding, you know, a brand into thinking about new stuff, but you actually helped them build it. If I recall correctly, there were, were quite a few. Lowe's comes to mind, you know, with some of the work that was done there uh, that I'm aware of, that you, you were instrumental in taking the idea, building it, and helping them roll that out. So do you want to talk a little bit about that process of how you helped actually incubate and, and accelerate the concepts into actual execution as well? Sure. Yeah. For some clients, um, there's a handoff process. Like we've created the vision. We've given them the emotional, visceral content to sell in. It gets sold in and then they run with that. But for others, they actually need help developing proof of concepts and prototyping. And we do that as well. So the Lowe's was our most famous public example, or one of them. We've got a few more, but we envisioned the future of home improvement where people could just walk around in their kitchen using some kind of mixed reality device and in real time just do the whole renovation. And then with a flick of the wrist or a voice command, you know, the Lowe's trucks come and they basically design it exactly how you imagined it. That was very science fiction in 2000 and what was it, 13, 14. 
today it's like, oh, yeah, 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 I could see that. The technologies now that we predicted or anticipated, I think is a better word, um, or here. So how do you create 3D assets from scratch? Well, you just pick up your phone, you take three photographs of it, and the AI and the algorithms do the rest. At the time, you had to model them by hand, or if you were lucky, buy a $20,000 scanner and scan them. So the whole industry's kind of evolved pretty much how we anticipated it to, and it's only going to get even more powerful now with generative AI, and that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah, that's just one example. Um, we've done work around mood and emotion. So what does it mean when you can measure consumers' moods passively? And how does like the kind of mood economy look like in the future? That's also coming on leaps and bounds. There's a whole conversation we can have about the future of mood and emotion. We built a mood lab for a client where a lot of the technologies we anticipated are now online. And what we're spending a lot of time today working on, and then you and I spoke about this recently, is what we're calling synthetic consumers. So what happens when you can do research without respondents or you can create your, have your best salesperson in every meeting all the time or the CEO in every meeting, you know, you make sure she turns up in every single meeting and has a point of view. And these are sci-fi like concepts, but they are absolutely reality today and accelerating. I think last point I'll say, cause it's hard for me to shut up once I start talking. So interrupt me, but one of the values in working with Sci Futures is that, yes, we have visions that are transformative and we help create stories and narratives of the future that get people immersed into them. But if it's not grounded in what's possible and plausible, and if there aren't immediate action that you can take today, the work is basically not useful. And it can be inspirational, but inspiration without action is kind of, it's just a way, it's just entertainment. So, you know, we have our feet on the ground. You know, we just came back of probably our ninth year of doing tours of CES where we talk to all the emerging technologies and startups that we think are cool and we bring that back into our clients. So you need, you need that vision, but you also need that grounding as well. All right, so I have three questions I'm dying to ask. So I'm not going to ask them all at once, but I'll, we'll rapid fire, right? So it's an example of of work that you've done that you are just the most proud of. You're like, you know what? That makes all of this worthwhile. That was incredibly cool, game-changing stuff. Wow. it's a great question, Lenny. I think this is the true answer, although it might not be that satisfying for you, but every time we see the work that we've done translate into meaningful initiatives within our clients, I am absolutely over the moon. Just this morning, I was talking to a client about these future magazines that we created. Um, we've done two for them. We're about to do a third. And these are like, imagine if our industry transforms and this is how we'll be in five to 10 years. And these beautifully designed, visual, narrative-driven artifacts from the future got passed around the entire organization. This is a large CPG. You'll know exactly who they are. And I made it all the way to CEO and it was just, it's just wonderful because it just basically sparks pilot tests, transformations, mindset, capabilities. That fills me with immense pride. We did work for a large hospital client um, last year and I was there and I saw all our assets around the room. I saw people using the language that we created as part of their conversations about the future. 
just kind of this sense of possibility and that kind of onboarding and acceptance in the organization. And they actually prototyped. So one of the artifacts from, from the work that we did with this, this particular client is a health and wellness client. They actually used the vision that we created for them and actually created a prototype using generative AI. And they played me the video when I was there and it used the same kind of art, the same kind of language. They're just immensely proud. Um, I couldn't wait to tell the team. And yeah, so there's, there's lots of those. I could break client confidentiality and tell you specifics, but I, I'd probably rather not do that on a public podcast. <laughs> sure. No, no, no worries. Uh, generalities are fine. All right. Flip side. Yeah. What is the concept you come up with that you were like, oh, holy crap. I hope we never do this. This is scary. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a few, like, you know, when you're working in the future and you're imagining possibilities, there are obviously dystopian scenarios that are actually sadly quite easy to anticipate. And so, you know, the Cambridge Analytica scandal, it was actually pretty easy to, to predict, you know, it was pre- quite easy to anticipate. And I think we're seeing a lot of kind of dystopian visions. We don't generally do a lot of dystopia. We do use dystopia as a way to understand the consequence of inaction or action that isn't deliberate and it's useful, but we don't dwell on dystopias. We usually try and have an aspirational vision of the future. But regardless, um, you know, a lot of, frankly, what we're seeing today, like with deep fakes, um, you know, with the lack of truth, with complete social, I mean, social media is just breaking the world, really. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's just breaking the world. You know, a lot of that we saw early on. I think some of the dystopia, potential dystopias that we have anticipated that we hope we don't see, but I'll probably will likely see is you know, when these immersive technologies become so real and so compelling to our kind of animal brains, you know, we'll lose people in, in kind of the metaverse worlds, um, you know, we'll lose people in these like completely fake digital immersive realities. And, you know, I think it will become like a public health crisis of sorts. So those, those are sadly fairly easy to see. You know, then, of course, there's a lot of questions about the future of work, the nature of work, the nature of social cohesion, the future of, of social connection and human connection. You know, all of that, there are some, I would say, pretty awful scenarios or visions that unfortunately are plausible. But we, we tend to, we, our clients tend to be the, the Fortune 500s of the world. And so we, we focus mainly on commercial innovation. but we certainly don't ignore the ethical responsibilities that these organizations have and particularly leaders have. You don't need to hire so futures to anticipate some of the some of the scary things that, that potentially could unfold. Okay, so no no DARPA work. We've done work in the military, um, yeah, not not for DARPA, but we've done work in the military and that stuff's always um you go to bed like thinking, Oh my god. But it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right, we'll leave it there. So that sounds like <laughs> okay. bordered on national security issues and <laughs> I get any of that. All right. So the, the third question, and you've kind of hinted at that, right? That okay, we've you've been doing this 13 years, a lot of the technologies are now coming or are reality, right? Uh, AR, VR, AI, you know, 3D printing, yada yada yada, right? All of those things are are real. They may not be ubiquitous in all categories yet, but it's certainly, it's only an issue of computing power and cost, 
to before they are. Okay. So cool. What do you see next? What is the, the next technology that you think, okay, now five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever we're not, this is going to be old hat. This will be like talking about, you know, mobile or, you know, uh, there's going to be, it's, it's a whole new thing. What do you think that looks like? I think it's really all about AI now. Like this is the AI, you know, the next 25 years is, is all about AI because there's kind of like a ripple effect in my world where, yeah, you have silos of different technologies like the mixed reality world, like, you know, energy, the IoT devices, you know, all the, all these kind of what were independent technology verticals kind of evolving. But, you know, it, it's all being compounded and, and accelerated because of AI. And, you know, AI is affecting everything. So, so yes, the next five to 10 years, it's just going to be AI, much more powerful AI, much more useful AI, much more intelligent AI. And all these separate industries are going to benefit by it as well. You know, it's just an incredibly transformative force. And we're just starting, like we haven't even left the starting blocks yet. You know, we could talk about the other disruptive technologies like quantum computing and and the genetic engineering that's happening in the biomedical space. But really, you know, I, I think for us, what, what's most interesting and what we work with with our clients over the next five to 10 years is let's imagine based upon these current trends and all these technologies, let's look and see how people will be shopping, how they'll be buying, how markets will be working, what products and services your organizations will need to provide in, in a very mature AI economy. And how do you need to restructure or rethink about your organization if consumers have their own personal AI agents that are out in the marketplace shopping for them and that organizations or cities have their own AI agents that are the primary interface. So so I've coined this term, the algorithm to algorithm economy, A to A. So we've heard of B2B and B2C, okay, this is A to A. And, And that's happening. Like, you know, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, they're Google, they're working on consolidation of all your individual data sets and creating AI agents that can interface with them and then go out into the marketplace for you. So so if that's the case, if if in the next five to ten years you have personal AI agents that are shopping for Ari or, you know, planning a holiday or even just a date night or how do brands, how do our traditional clients, how do they need to operate in those environments? And what can they do today to be ready for that? What sort of competencies and skills do you need to be ready for that? So that's really where we're spending quite a bit of time. It's exciting because there's tremendous opportunity for efficiencies in the marketplace to really delight consumers, to give them products and services that they really want to need. But there's also a huge shadow to this type of vision of the future, you know, taking away free will, nudge tyranny, you know, nudging people to an inch of their lives, you know, kind of this creating echo chambers and blindness. I mean, from brands' point of view, controlling your brand, making sure you're searchable, 
if AIs are looking for you, how do they find you? Yeah, so there's lots to think about in this area just alone in the next five to 10 years. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I agreed. And I, I think that's where we are as well, right? The era of AI, although the, you know, it is interesting to think about the, so my, today, I think that AI doesn't create anything. It just, it remixes things really, 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 really well, right? But I don't think we'll be stuck there for very long. I think that there will be probably sooner than we even think. Maybe not uh, general artificial intelligence or sentience, but something that looks really damn close that does have the ability to to create in new ways. And the opportunities that will will unlock for new products, new opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's really interesting. And I suspect that will unlock robotics as well in a new way. So not just the the digital avatars or digital agent uh, type of of world that's pretty easy to see now, but you know, actual <laughs> actual iRobot type of, uh, of of world where there's you know there are robotic assistants that are driven by that. Uh, certainly we see it in manufacturing. And I know in, in Japan, they, they've been playing for quite a while with personal robotic assistants, especially for the elderly and in healthcare. And, you know, we'll see a lot more of that start to emerge over the next few years. And yes, like you being a big sci-fi geek, I, I think I, I can't help but always think, I've seen this movie. It doesn't end well. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of too many movies I've seen where that future is like, woo, that's wonderful. It's usually like, oh my God, run from the, you know, run from the robot overlords that are trying to kill us. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So interesting times we live in. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're creating science fiction, your job is entertained. So, and, and we, often we get entertained by being afraid or, you know, terrified. So, so that's fine. But it also sadly sets up expectations that are, aren't necessarily true or inevitable. And I think there is a movement within the science fiction communities is to, is to create aspirational visions. And, you know, and, and I applaud that. But, yeah, yeah AI, is a, AI is a big one. And I think what I'm, what I'm passionate about is making sure we preserve our humanity in this transformation process. I think that's a real passion area of me. So what does it mean to be human? What's special about, what's unique about our humanity? And, and how do we make sure that 10 years from now or 15 years from now, we don't wake up and look around and go, oh, shit. You know, why did we do that? And just for the for the sake of X, Y, and Z. So I think that's a big one. And also, we don't want to go to a world of techno feudalism, and that feels like you know a potential future as well. Um, you know, we've got these billionaires building bunkers now, and it's like, yeah, like let's please let's not go there. And and that's that's something that we as a society as a collective need to agree on and we need to put in systems and processes in place for us to manage that. And that's kind of beyond the remit of such futures, but, it, but it's certainly, um, you know, being in the room with corporate leaders, it gives us the opportunity to give them a sense of their responsibility as well in shaping that conversation and being a stakeholder. And that's a, you know, that's a, that's a privilege and something I take seriously 
but we don't, you know, my business is about helping our clients be ready for the future in a way that, you know, drives shareholder value, but ultimately also, you know, attempts to leave the world a better place as well in that process. And there's a lot of tension, natural tension in trying to resolve both of those integral demands that corporations have. And storytelling is a great way to do that. Like you can really play with, you know, you can really calibrate visions and and responsibilities and roles, you know, using narrative and using the visions of the future. You'll be amazed at how quick, like when we work with clients on just even the topic of AI and on purely commercial grounds, like, you know, how do we use generative AI to improve a supply chain or whatever that might be. But you'll be amazed at how quickly the conversation gets esoteric and kind of existential. It's like just a couple of questions and you're like, oh, okay, here we are again. So, yeah. Yeah. So my, my guess is, I, I think of the world is, you know, there's two, you're either Star Trek or Star Wars, <laughs> right? And my guess is that you're, you're in the Star Trek camp versus the Star Wars camp. Would that be accurate? I have to say, I enjoyed the original Star Wars universe a lot more than the, the more recent one, although it's getting a lot better. Um, <laughs> yeah, all that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> but but my ethos is is definitely more Star Trek, you know. And I, I like Star Trek, but I really loved Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, uh, all right, yeah. all right. That's uh, I, I think I'm a little mix of both. Yeah. The uh, so I, I love the positive and humane view of the future of star trek yeah i love the adventure component of star wars like i mean you know yes my my inner my inner luke right yeah actually in my marriage i'm han and, <laughs> ah. and she's leia i she which is makes sense being in marriage right we wouldn't want to do the whole luke play thing but <laughs> the uh <laughs> that kiss <laughs> oh. um, so, <laughs> 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 did you really did you george did you really have the whole thing written oh, um, <laughs> anyway our geek is flying yeah but but i think it's it's important to that that idea of the narrative right and there is there's the you know we've got the gibson visions of the future which like oh god no i don't want to live there uh the asimov visions of the future which probably are a little more pragmatic and where we really are maybe going but that that star trek what I liked about it was the when you looked at the history, and we're really getting a geeky here, audience, but I think it's relevant. In that Star Trek future, they went through some crap, right? I mean, there were world wars. There was the you know almost the annihilation of civilization. There was a lot of 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 humanity learning some really hard lessons. Getting to that point of okay, maybe now we're a mature species, and in doing that which has always felt like that's probably pretty realistic as well. I mean, kind of your point, I think we still have some mistakes that we're going to experience with these technologies, but hopefully we are, are learning to deploy that ethical and, and component and framework around it as well. So I, that's my really long-winded way of reacting to what you said about helping your, your clients. It's not just about the tech. It's also, you know, let's make sure that we're doing the right thing. Right. This is, is innovation for good, not just innovation. Exactly. Exactly. And I think like one of the new things we're doing, you're like, what, what's new at SciFutures? Like one of the new things we're doing is leadership training. 
So like future literacy training, and that's something our clients asked us for. It was something that came to us. And it's, and it's great because you, you get to sit in a room with leaders. You get to immerse them into stories and visions of the future. So we have a scenario that we use for one of our clients, which is the healing home. So what if your home's really smart and knows what you need at all times and all your devices are connected? And it's a great scenario. And then we say, okay, what does that mean for you as a leader? If this is how the world is operating, you know, what, it, what does it mean for you as a leader when you have AI colleagues with their own motivations and needs, you know, and I've spoke to you about the A2A economy as well. And then, and then it's like, okay, so you get a visceral sense of what it means to lead in that future. And then it's like, okay, what are the leadership skills you need to be successful? And part of that is navigating that tension between just because I can doesn't mean I always should. What's our values? What's my value as an individual? What's, what are our values as an organization, as a team? And how do we pull that into our innovation? And, and it's, you know, it's, it's very philosophical. 10, 15 years ago, you know, you weren't really having conversations that much about ethics and about philosophy in business meetings. You know, you were talking about ROI and you were talking about, you know, and it was kind of, we, we kind of knew what the template was to be, to be a good leader. But now with so much change, so much uncertainty, so much transformation, there really are lots and lots of conversations about ethics and philosophy. and What does it mean to be human? And it's amazing. Like, these are now practical conversations. They're not like these like wonderful, you know, you're sitting in front of a campfire, you know, warming your, your s'mores. Like this is like, damn it. Like we need to know this in the next two to three years, you know? So it's, it's great. Like we need more philosophy grads, you know, coming into, into the business world. I agree. So I, I love that. So you mentioned that's new. So let's, let's actually pivot back into, the business for a minute. So what else is new? What are you working on? What are you excited about this year that's going to be kind of a new product offering or, or new opportunities that's in front of you? Yeah. So the training, the leadership training is great. I really love that part of our business. Um, we want to do more of it. It's a different buyer to the typical buyers that we have. Like we've been working mostly with like R&D teams, strategy, a little bit with foresight and innovation, a little bit with marketing but mostly I'd say R&D, but this buyer is usually learning and development. So it's kind of like a different, different client altogether, but they recognize that, you know, we need our leaders to be aware of what's coming and how to lead through that. So we've been doing a lot of work with JP Morgan, actually, you know, for the last two and a half years, we, we piloted for half a year and now we've just perfected it. I'm just so proud of the program and we're starting to work with other clients now on that as well. So I want to do more of that. Um, I really love it because it, you know, you have a real impact with the leaders that you that you train, and you can really help open their minds about, oh, oh wow, this is seriously coming around the corner, and this is what I need to be to be ready. So the leadership training we're doing a lot of on the more classic so future side, just a lot in health and wellness, like a ton, uh, and like we're experts in that, not just like physical health, like emotion, human connection which touches a lot of our clients that are in the CPG space. And then, as you know, we're doing a lot of work around synthetic consumers. So this is an area where I think there's just, it's just going to 
completely blow up. You probably know more about this coming from the research side than, than me and being closer to it. But I've got clients asking me, like, how do we do research now? How do we create personas of our customers that are fully AI? So we've been doing quite a bit of work now. We're actually about to do a proof of concept for a client trying to figure out what's plausible at this point in time. Yeah, and that's that's a lot. Like that's tons. It keeps us it keeps us really really busy just working in those areas. Sounds like it. So I want to be conscious of your time as well as the uh, of our listeners. So we're recording this the end of January, twenty twenty four. The zeitgeist seems to be of this is going to be a weird year, and I can think of a hundred and one different uh, definitions of weird or applications of weird. But since you are a futurist, what's uh, what do you think we may see happen this year that's somewhat black swan? And I don't mean like all the scary stuff. There's plenty of that. But what what do you think like, hey, it may be time that this this happens. You know, aliens land, whatever the case may be. <laughs> what do you think? What's what do we have to look forward to? Like, ah, this this could happen this year. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I hope for. You know, I hope that we as a species and also as Americans but I understand your audience is not just America, but, but this trend is happening all over the world, that we can, we can see what unites us and what's common amongst us more than what divides us. And I hope that there's some kind of catalyzing event that brings us together. I don't know what that catalyzing event is, and we could think of a num- we could imagine a number of scenarios that catalyze us. But I have hope that ultimately as a human species and as human beings, we will continue to, to evolve and appreciate our differences and welcome them and, and learn to live each, with each other peacefully and respectfully. Um, that's my hope. I sadly don't see that right now, <laughs> just from the mainstream and also, you know, from what I pick up you know, on more, let's say, fringe social trends. And, you know, it's concerning. Um, you know, I don't want to leave on a low note. But I do think, I do think we're in for a, a bit of a bumpy ride as a species and as a society as we figure out how we handle truth, how we respect differences, how we integrate technologies that are so transformative like this into our ways of life that still align with our core human values. Uh, you know, it's a growing up period. You know, every human being goes through it. You know, we go through growth journeys and learning journeys where we fail and we hurt ourselves and we get bruised. And, you know, we're probably going to have to go through that. I just hope it's not too destructive and I hope that we can learn and come through it stronger. But, yeah, it is. it does feel like we're at a really pivotal point. And, you know, and to be fair, like every society has that, every society you know, there was there was the Vietnam War in 1968, and there, you know, social uprising then, and you know, the Second World War. And so yes, it, but it but it really does feel like we're we're in a, you know a very pivotal time once again. Well said, my friend. Yeah, and, uh, and I, uh, share share that hope, and I'm sure that all of our listeners do as well. Yeah, and yeah, don't want to leave it on a, on a downer note. You're right, I, <laughs> and and here's the 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 reality of that the yeah. the work that you do, the work that we all do especially in the insight space, we do create the future, right? Every single one of us that play in this, this industry, this world, we help contribute to creating some future, right? 
So whether it's a product or a message or a concept, we've, we've touched it. Right? I was doing work in the mid-2000s on 5G. Right? Yes. We knew where this was going to go. And, and I think that that's, it's great to have a conversation like this because uh, it reminds me and hopefully reminds all of us that, yeah, sometimes the world seems like a big, scary, out-of-control place. The last few years, COVID, all of that, certainly there's some trauma we're all working through <laughs> with that yeah. because in some ways it was like, oh, wait. But we have so much influence over our future. And it does start with just being good humans, doesn't it? Yeah, it, re- it really does. I mean, I, I love that sentiment. You know, uh, my partner says something that's really wise. She's like, every single thing that exists in the world today was in someone's imagination before it happened. Everything. Someone had to imagine it. And so I love what you're saying. It's like, well, let's just get better at imagining great things. You know, and that's a, that's kind of what we're trying to do. It's our futures. But, but you're right. We can all do that. Let's just... Just, just get much better at imagining positive, uplifting futures for us. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So, all right. Well, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of segue out from that, <laughs> that positive statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't? No, it's just great to catch up with you and always love chatting to you. So thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to, to chat to you and, and hopefully to, you know, your listeners as well. Thank you. Oh, well, uh, ditto. L- let's, let's start have years go by <laughs> with only the excuse of doing a podcast interview to chat again. So, cause I, uh, we, we can go lots of places with, uh, with our private conversations about this. Where can people find you? Sofutures.com or Ari.popper at Sofutures. Okay. Well, man, thank you so much. Ari. It, was, it was great to catch up and, you know, best of luck visualizing, you know, your future of success as we, uh, we go from here. And I guess that is it for this edition of the Green Book Podcast. I want to give a big shout out to our producer, Natalie, who wasn't feeling well today. So, Natalie, get well soon, and thank you for all that you do. Our editor, Big Bad Audio, to our sponsors, and, of course, to your listeners. Because without you, really, Ari and I would not have had the chance to get back together because this was the only reason we did, was to do the podcast. So so thank you. You really are important on so many levels, and we appreciate you. That's it for this edition of the Green Book Podcast. Everybody be well, take care, and we'll catch you at the next one. Bye-bye. Join Greenbook for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX Insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia-Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research best practices, tech innovation, and strategies for transforming insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org events today to learn more and register. See you there.